Filthy Henry, the Fairy Detective, Chapter 18. The front room had turned out to be a total loss. It was nothing but a glorified and disorganised library that stocked only one book. The only thing that was mildly interesting in the entire room was a glass case in the centre of the floor. Walking over to it, keeping his eyes peeled for anything magical in the room, Filthy Henry looked through the glass at a copy of Dracula that was out on display. It appeared to be old, very old. No doubt it was St. Ochre's first copy of his book, something that any writer would keep safe and cherish throughout the years, even if they did have a house that was home to a million more copies of the same book. You would always cherish the very first copy you ever owned of your own novel, more so because it had been published in serial format before a single bound volume. Why not just sell this to get enough money for your little project? Filthy Henry asked the empty room, intending the question for St. Ochre. It would have meant nobody else got hurt or involved. Sighing, the fairy detective left the front room and walked down the hallway to the only other closed door. Opening it and looking in, he saw a set of stone stairs that led down to a basement. Filthy Henry had seen enough horror movies in his time to know that walking down into a dark basement in an empty house was the quickest way to catching a terminal case of deadness. He pulled out the crucifix and held onto a vial of holy water. Contemplating conjuring a spell just to have one at the ready, he thought better of it. The magic required to keep a spell prepared would have cost him greatly. Magic that could come in handy later on if the situation became a little bit hairy. Tightening his grip on the wooden cross, Filthy Henry slowly walked down the stone steps. He kept his eyes open, denying them the occasional blink. Ears listened for any sound at all, just in case. Nostrils took in as much air as possible, on the off chance that a stray fart would give away an attacker's position. Filthy Henry was a well-tuned, finely wound, ready-to-burst, hunter stalking his prey. Just a prey that was more powerful and better equipped to kill a person. But that was a minor detail that the fairy detective was very much trying to push from his mind. At the end of the stairs, Filthy Henry found himself in a well-kept and clean basement. It seemed to be organised for holding meetings, with chairs stacked up against the walls. Thick, black curtains hung beside each of the windows, each glass pane showing a little bit of the street above. The curtains made sense if this was where the stokers had meetings, since the sun would have shone straight in from above and made every stoker a little cremated. Two curtains were drawn closed, thick black material hiding the window from sight completely. At the far end of the room, a bright golden light caught Filthy Henry's attention. Toning down his fairy vision made it easier to see the source. Standing on a table was a large metal cauldron. Leprechaun's mother crock, in all its financially benefiting glory. Filthy Henry stared at it for a moment and considered just picking it up and running with it. Riches for as long as his magical enhanced life lasted would be his. The entire fairy world would fall into financial ruin. Even the human world would possibly suffer. More banks were propped up by indirect loans from leprechauns than humans knew about. 
if all those deaths suddenly had to be called in, with magical knee-breaking to make sure payments were made, the world would have to resort back to a barter system, all while he enjoyed living in the lap of luxury. It was a lovely idea, a fantasy, but nothing more than that. Filthy Henry knew he would forever be on the run from fairy kind. There would be magical creatures hunting him constantly. Well, I can always dream, he thought to himself. Besides, as nice as being rich until you died sounded, the payment from Lepercon was worth more. Money could not buy you happiness, but wishes that were granted by a leprechaun could alter reality and make you much more happy. Filthy Henry did find it a little surprising that the mother croc was just sitting out in the open, on a table, in a rather poorly secured room, without so much as a spell put in place to make loud noises as somebody went near it. The whole setup smacked of overconfidence, an overconfidence that Filthy Henry had never attributed to the vampire author. If St. Ochre was willing to leave the most prized artefact in the world sitting on a table in some basement, so be it. It just made the job of retrieving the mother croc all the easier. Which was what was keeping Filthy Henry standing still in one spot, right at the bottom step of the stairs, staring at the mother croc. Something just did not add up. At times like this, a person could be envious of somebody who was bitten by a radioactive spider. That sort of genetic mishap at least resulted in a useful ability to predict danger. A half-human, half-fairy had to use sight and sound to detect trouble, like some sort of chump. Nothing in the basement seemed out of place. Definitely there was no magic in the room with the exception of the mother croc, and unless the stokers were planning on killing him with currency, there was nothing to fear from that. Plus, there was not another living soul in the room with him. He strained his ears to hear anything that even hinted at a heart beating. Nothing. Maybe I just got really lucky on this one, he thought. Heading over to the table with the mother croc, Filthy Henry dropped the vial of holy water back into his pocket and reached out to pick up the magical moneymaker. There was a rustle of cloth, a swish of wind, and a chill that ran down the fairy detective's spine. Two stokers stood behind the mother croc, staring at Filthy Henry like hungry wolves. Well now, one of them said. Who would have thought that would have worked so well? Filthy Henry risked glancing to the right and saw that the previously curtain-closed windows were now curtainless. The stokers had been hiding in the little windows, sitting on the sills and using the curtains to conceal their presence. He mentally kicked himself for trying to listen for a heartbeat. Vampire hearts stopped beating the second they were turned. Such a rookie mistake to make. Focusing on the two stokers before him, the fairy detective brought up his crucifix and held it at eye level. You're both hereby implicated in a crime that is in direct violation of the rules, Filthy Henry said, in as authoritative a manner as he could manage. If you stand down now, your punishment will be lenient and may be dismissed entirely if you give evidence against the ringleader of this act. Neither stoker responded. They each started to step around from behind the table, circling towards Filthy Henry as he backed towards the stairs. He kept moving the crucifix from in front of one to the other, while reaching into his pocket with his free hand, slipping two holy water vials between his fingers and preparing for the worst.
You know that won't work on me, the stoker on the left said, pointing at the wooden cross. I'm Jewish. I don't believe in any of that religious nonsense either, the other stoker said. So that means you're just holding up a silly statue. There is a saying that violence is never an option. The fairy detective had always thought it a stupid saying, as most of the time, violence was the best and only option a person had. Filthy Henry had followed this mantra his entire life. Growing up, he had found that if you punched the bully in the face, really hard, so that blood flowed freely from their nose, the bullying would stop. If you did this the first time the bully tried anything, it nipped things in the bud before they even began. He didn't consider himself a violent man, more of an opportunistic one. Without waiting for either of the stokers to make the first move, he pulled his free hand from his pocket. As he pivoted on his right heel to turn around and run back up the stairs, Filthy Henry's hand arched through the air, releasing the two vials of holy water. Before they knew what was happening, the first stoker was clutching his face as the water burned his flesh. Filthy Henry started running up towards the ground floor. Behind him came the sound of water splashing and more agonised screams. The stokers were out of action. He pushed open the door at the top of the stairs, jumped out into the hallway, twirled around and slammed the basement door shut. If there had been a key in the lock, he would have turned it, even though a stoker could punch through an oak door like kindling. Well now, Henry, a voice said from the direction of the front door. If you would be so kind as to turn and face me with your hands in the air, we can avoid any bloody unpleasantness. Filthy Henry let out an exasperated sigh and did as he was instructed. He moved slowly to avoid any misunderstandings and was not in the least bit surprised to see Abe St. Ogre standing before him with Shelley firmly gripped by her throat. My, my, what a pickle we have here, St. Ogre said with a fang-filled smile. Shelley was finding it difficult to breathe. The vampire author's hand had a solid hold around her neck and any slight struggle was met with an equal slight increase in his grip. No matter what was about to happen, she would not be getting free any time soon. In front of her stood Filthy Henry, hands raised in the air, trench coat fanned out like a cheap superhero cloak. Via her enhanced magical sight, she could clearly see that he had no spells at the ready, nothing up his sleeve. He was apparently giving up. Now, St. Ochre said, letting his index finger flex a little against Shelley's neck. We have a bit of a situation here, it would seem. Two stokers exited the kitchen, standing a few feet behind Filthy Henry. He looked over his shoulder at them, nodding to each in turn, then turned back to meet St. Ochre's gaze. Don't worry, Shelley, Filthy Henry said. You'll be all right. For some reason she believed him although she was not entirely sure why. He hadn't winked to indicate that he had some dastardly clever plan waiting to rescue them both. I really don't see how that statement will hold true, St. Oker said. After all, I've found two trespassers in my home. By all rights, I could drain the two of you and leave your dried corpses out by the side of the road on garbage night. Well, you can't drain me, the fairy detective said with a grin. He was actually grinning. A vampire was talking about draining their blood and Filthy Henry was grinning like an idiot. 
Shelley would have groaned if her neck was not so firmly held by St. Ogre. True, my old friend. But we could always drain her while you watch powerless to stop us. Then simply kill you. Touché, Filthy Henry said. All Shelley could manage was to glare at the fairy detective. If he had a plan, she wanted him to use it sooner rather than later. Later was a nice concept of time, when you had nothing half strangling you to death. Later meant you had a future. Right now Shelley was worried that her immediate present was all the later she had left. St. Ochre, pushing Shelley before him, took two steps closer to Filthy Henry. He leaned over her shoulder, his fangs extending slightly. Shall we just uh, get down to this then? Wait, Filthy Henry said, gesturing for the vampire writer to stop. The two stokers behind him took a step back at a sudden outburst. Yes, St. Ogre said dreamily. Filthy Henry coughed, clearing his throat. He looked at Shelley for a split second, then back at the vampire holding onto her. You're in violation of the rules, and have left me with no alternative but to deport you back to the fairy realm to await trial by your magical peers and punishment in accordance with your crime. He sounded like he meant every word. If there had been a badge in his hands, it would have looked all the more official. Yet the fact that one vampire was slowly choking her to death and two more were standing behind the fairy detective sort of made the whole thing a bit farcical. It was like walking into the middle of a Mexican standoff where everyone but you had an automatic weapon in their hands, the barrels of which were suddenly pointed at you. St. Ochre started laughing. The pair of stokers joined in. All three laughed loudly and deeply. After twenty seconds, all three vampires stopped laughing. St. Ochre used his free hand to wipe away tears from his eyes. Oh, Henry, I do like you, he said, still shaking a little with laughter. And I am going to miss you, honestly. The vampire author nodded his head, and the pair of stokers behind Filthy Henry stepped forward, each grabbing one of the fairy detective's arms. No! Shelley managed to say. Don't worry, my dear, St. Ogre said. I won't make you watch. Plus, he won't be long in joining you in the afterlife. For a sentence that was meant to reassure, it had the exact, no doubt desired, opposite effect. Shelley felt a cold sensation fill her stomach. Just hold on, Filthy Henry said, struggling against the grip of the two stokers who had twisted his arms down so they were behind his back. How about we make a deal? There's nothing you can offer the boss, one of the stokers said to Filthy Henry. You're dead, half-breed. He leaned in close to the fairy detective's ear and hissed. Finally. St. Ochre raised his free hand and gestured for calm. Let's hear what he has to say, the vampire author said. After all, every creature is entitled to his last words. Henry's should be heard. The fairy detective let out a long sigh and visibly sagged in the grip of the vampires. To Shelley, it was as plain as the nose on her face. He had given up the fight, without starting the bloody thing to begin with. Some brilliant, magically-powered detective he had turned out to be. The slightest bit of trouble, and that was it. Game over. What if I remain here? You do whatever the hell you want with me. Kill me, pull me apart, distill my blood to get some magical juice, whatever. 
Just let her go. Come on. She's a nobody. A nothing. She can only see fairy kind out of the corner of her eye, because she's an artist. Even then the spell that lets her see everything all the time is linked to me. Once I die, she loses the ability. She can't even do anything to threaten you. Who's she going to talk to? A fairy? She doesn't know how to find them. A Garda? Well, they'd lock her up for being nuts. You simply move out of here, and you're done. She'll never be a bother to you ever again. Scratching thoughtfully at his chin, St. Ogre looked at Shelley, lifting her up by their neck a little, then back at Filthy Henry. Well, this is true, he said. She's only a human after all. But she knows too much. I don't need Leprechaun, the ignorant little half-pint, with his over-stringent rules for loaning money, finding out that I've his crock of gold. But he won't, Filthy Henry said, shaking his head. If she can't see a fairy, how can she spill the beans to one? Kind of sounds reasonable, boss, the stoker on the left said. It does. Yeah, it really does. Once we make you a dearly departed, this lovely young lady goes back to being fully normal. Another crazy person that talks about seeing leprechauns and talking to thin air. Assuming, of course, that Leprechaun doesn't bend the rules himself and appear to her without her magical vision in place. Well, he can't risk it, Filthy Henry said. He would no longer be the king if it got out. St. Ochre's grip lessened around her neck. Just before you let her go free, which, by the way, I assume means you'll never hassle her again, and that she will be walking out the door safe and unharmed. Can we share one last kiss? St. Ochre let Shelley go, and guided her over to the fairy detective. Well, Henry, you old romantic. Forfeiting your life to save that of your woman. I never would have guessed. She may leave, and I will trouble her no more. To the two vampires, he said, Let one arm go. Make it quick, though. We have books to buy. Shelley could feel herself welling up with sadness. This was not how things should have gone. A single tear built up on the bottom of her right eye, sliding down her cheek. Filthy Henry looked up at her and smiled. Don't worry, he said. It was all part of the plan. Without any warning at all, he reached up with his free hand, pressed the palm of it against the side of her face, pulled her down and kissed her passionately on the lips. It was the most amazing kiss she had ever had in her life. All memories of previous kisses cowered away from this one, knowing that they couldn't compare in the least. There was warmth and passion and emotion pouring from his lips into hers. The pressure was just about right, not too much, nor too light. The perfect Goldilocks bowl of porridge, made with oats that were kisses. It even had a strange sensation, like the magical spark of a first kiss. Her whole mouth tingled with it, then her cheeks and finally her eyes. She was lost in the moment and wanted it never to end. As an old romantic, I am loath to do this, but you really must be going. St. Ochre firmly pulled her away and escorted her to the front door. He opened it, walked her down the steps to street level, and let go. It took Shelley a moment to realise the kiss was no longer happening, and she was outside. My dear, I do hope you won't judge me too harshly based on your experiences thus far, St. Ochre said. Now, 
run along and enjoy the rest of your life. Forget about the past week. It's no longer relevant. He turned, walked back up the steps, entered the house and closed the door behind him, leaving Shelley on the street, alone and heartbroken. I've got to find help, she said to nobody. Making sure that her fairy sight was turned on, Shelley ran away from the building of vampires and started looking for any fairy that might be willing to help Filthy Henry. After a kiss like that, the least she figured she could do was save his life. Filthy Henry, the Fairy Detective, is a novel by Derek Power. Other Filthy Henry novels are currently available to buy on Amazon Kindle. This audiobook version was narrated by Niall Milton. <laughs>